Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Poppy and Holman Sports Lab. I am Poppy. And I am Holman. On this podcast, we'll be discussing sports and whatever else just comes to mind. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate y'all being here, and we hope you're ready to have a good time with us. Let's get it. How is everybody doing today? Uh, it is the solo episode of Poppy and Holman Sports Lab here. Uh, our man Poppy is sailing the world here, doing a little exploring, visiting a few islands. Uh, imagine he's seeing some some beautiful women all over the world, having a few drinks. So uh, we're going to let him enjoy that. Happy for him. Pretty sure he's having a good time. Talked to him a few times um, throughout the week about uh, various topics. Uh, happy for him. And uh, so it's just going to be a little solo episode this week. So I'm excited um, to do it. It's going to be interesting. Um, so let's just let's just get into it. Uh, as far as the NBA goes, um, we talked a few weeks ago about the NBA trade de- deadline coming up. And the big marquee trade was James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I was a little tough about this trade at first. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was just going to be another one of those like, yeah, okay, stars trading teams. Um, And uh, I expected just nothing but pick and roll out of the 76ers with James Harden and Joel Embiid. But to my surprise, James Harden looks like he actually fits in Philadelphia. Now, like I said, this does come as a little bit of a shock. I, it definitely took me by surprise. I'm not sure if it took everybody by surprise. Uh, but in the three games that James Harden has played as a 76er, they are 3-0. and And my man's putting up pretty good numbers. So his first game with the Sixers, he had 27 points, 8 boards, and 12 assists. His second game was against the Knicks. He had 29 points. 10 rebounds and 16 assists. Had himself a nice little triple-double there. And then his actual uh, 76ers home opener was against the Knicks as well. Um, he had 26 points, 9 boards, and 9 assists. So, I mean, he's just uh, he's firing on all cylinders as far as, um, you know, just production there. He, he looks happy. Um, Joel looks happy that he's there. It uh, it takes a little bit of pressure off of you know someone like Tobias Harris who is a solid player. I don't ever want to get that um, that confused there. Tobias Harris is a solid player, um, and I tell you what, Maxi and Thibel, uh, they there are some solid pieces around there too. So, I mean, good for the Seventy Sixers. I I definitely think they won this trade. Um, I thought that when it initially came out. I don't think the the Nets necessarily lost it, but from this season, like the the standard of looking at it from this season, the 76ers definitely won. I think the whole Ben Simmons trade is, uh, I think you're looking forward to next year, to be honest with you. I think this year is, uh, it's kind of scrapped on him, especially since it's taking him so long to get back into game shape. I didn't realize he let himself go that much um on his uh little hiatus from basketball so he uh he apparently has taken a super super long time to get back to it 
and uh, I think it's going to be a next year for him. But, hey, good for James Harden. I mean, he's averaging 27.3 points a game, 9 rebounds, and 12.3 assists. I mean, he's darn near averaging a triple-double. Granted, it's only three games. Um, I think they have... I think they have about 20 games left until we get to the uh, the postseason, but I mean they can do they can do some damage in those 20 games as far as um, jumping up the standings, uh, getting some pretty good seeding going in, and you know uh, getting a little little home court advantage, maybe seeing four home games instead of three home games for the majority of their series in the in the playoffs there. So. Uh, shout out to the 76ers for making a pretty dang good move there. A lot of love to uh, to that. And um, I wanted to, I didn't have a lot going on in the NBA. That was really it. It's been pretty, pretty stagnant, um, to be honest with you, as far as, I mean, the Lakers stink. LeBron's like the only bright spot on that team with AD being out. Um, and the, the Suns are still the most dominant team in basketball. Um, it was kind of funny. I had it. Uh, I had it in the laughable moments section, but we'll just hop into it. Um, the Suns were actually missing Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They're um, two of their best three players. Um, I, I don't know. Devin Booker's definitely their best. Uh, I don't know if you would say DeAndre Ayton or Chris Paul is the two or the three. Um, they're they're definitely in the conversation either way, but. Um, they were missing Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and they were warming up to NBA Young Boy. <laughs> and I can't even really say that they were warming up because they were just rapping and dancing and weren't taking any shots for like the last 10 minutes of warm up. And they still beat the Portland Trailblazers by 30. So I mean that's just a team that's firing on all cylinders. They're having uh they're having fun. They uh they're so much more relaxed than every other team. I mean they're just they're kind of on cruise control. And so that's that's the most dominant team in the league and uh the rest of the NF- or NBA should uh should be a little worried about that. I almost slipped up and said the NFL cuz I got the uh the NFL combine one in the background right now they're doing offensive lineman drills so i feel like that's actually uh a decent segue there you can turn a uh a mistake into uh to a nice little segue there maybe like a little bob ross thing a little happy accident for those that know uh so the M- uh, nfl combine is going on right now and uh last night was the quarterbacks wide receivers and tight ends um I don't know what day everybody looks forward to the most. Um, I think today is offensive lineman, defensive lineman, and then tomorrow, I believe, is running backs, defensive backs, and linebackers. Um, but last night was actually, uh, I, I got to watch a, a decent portion of it. They broke it up into three different groups. Um, I did miss group number one, so I'm sorry for any players in group number one. Missed your, uh, missed your combine there. Um, I caught the, the back end of group number two and then watched the majority of group number three. Um, and uh, I just had a few little, uh, a few players here that I noticed that may have helped themselves or hurt themselves. So the uh, 
the list for helped is a little bit longer than hurt, so I will uh, I'll hop into the hurt first. We'll start with the bad and then get into the good. As with anything, it's uh, getting any sort of news. It's do you want the bad news or the good news first? Just give me the bad news first. Um, I personally think D. Eric King. He is the quarterback out of the University of Miami, also known as the U. Uh, he was formerly the University of Houston's quarterback. He hit the transfer portal and went to the U. He um he had a pretty good season for them. He was definitely an upgrade for quarterback for them because they that was one thing that they really really struggled with is uh good quarterback play there. Um and he had a pretty decent season. But from what I saw from his combine, I think he did himself more harm than he did good. Just with watching him throw the football, he was pretty inaccurate. Um, timing was a little off. I didn't see anything in the footwork or mechanics that may sway a team's decision. But, you know, I think, and I think that's what they're there more so to see is the uh, the mechanics of it all. Make sure that, you know, the fundamentals are good. Like, yeah, the timing's probably going to be off on these out routes because you're throwing to receivers you haven't thrown to before unless for some reason you get lucky enough to get paired up with a, a receiver from your team. But I don't think that happens at all. Uh, I think they purposefully will put, you know, different quarterbacks um, with you. That way, you know, it doesn't doesn't help you. Now, when it comes to pro days, obviously pro days mean um, a little bit too. I think the combine weighs a little bit more than pro days, but um yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they're so much looking for, you know, is your time like it? It, it all it all varies based off the uh, the receiver there, and and how much their effort they're giving. And I did watch, um, I forget which quarterback it was that was throwing, but there was a receiver. They were running the the go routes, and the receiver was just like half assing it off the line of scrimmage. He was just kind of jogging, and then, uh, you know, Michael Irvin kind of ripped into him. It's like, man, you gotta go, like. You can you gotta you gotta come off the line fast, and then once you get to that second cone there, yeah, you can kind of slow down, adjust, and and try to find the ball and make the catch. But you gotta you gotta explode off that line because that's what the quarterback's expecting you to do. So um, the quarterback he was just taking his normal seven step drop, and he was expecting his uh, his receiver to to take off, and he just didn't. Um, so shame on him. But yeah, Derek King. Didn't look great. Thought he did himself more harm than he did good. Uh, I don't think he was a guy that was high on many people's boards. He was probably, in my guess, I feel like he was probably looking at like a six-round pick to begin with. Um, somebody that's like, hey, maybe we could bring him in as a, uh, you know, wildcat, athletic guy, backup sort of thing. Um, but I don't think he was ever looking at a uh, at a starting spot, top two or first two rounds, first three rounds kind of thing. I don't think he was ever looking at something like that, but um, I think he did hurt himself a little bit. Uh, another guy that was all over social media was Kenny Pickett. Um, not because of anything that he did or didn't do, but because of what he doesn't have, which is big hands. Um, Kenny Pickett's hands measured in at eight and a half inches, which is some of the smallest in uh in the NFL but there's been for some reason it's something that GMs, coaches, teams, the media just loves to talk about is the size of a quarterback's hands. 
because they 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 showed the statistic that the smaller handed quarterbacks fumble more. Um, I guess they struggle in like more inclement weather, the snow, the rain, stuff like that. Um, but the statistic that they showed to try to prove that was kind of all over the place. Like there was uh, players with bigger hands that actually had a higher fumble rate than some of the players with the smaller hands. So I'm not sure exactly what they were aiming for with that statistic. I feel like they probably could have, you know, if they were trying to portray that, they could have done a better job. But his eight and a half inch hands is apparently very problematic. Um, We saw the same thing with Joe Burrow when he was coming out of LSU and the Cincinnati Bengals still took him number one overall. Uh, And he got him to the Super Bowl in his first full season as a starter. So, but I think his hands were around like nine inches. uh, So a half inch bigger. I don't know if that really makes that much of a difference. But apparently it does. Um, I still think Kenny Pickett's going to be a good quarterback in the league. He's still going to get drafted in the first round. He is still going to be a starter for a team this year. Now, just to be honest with you, I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks coming into this draft that are going to be week one starters. Uh, so I think he might he might sit first few weeks with the intentions of him, you know, learning the playbook, learning the system, learning the speed of the NFL, getting used to the uh, the day-to-day, week-by-week kind of thing that they got going on, um, which is different than uh, than the collegiate level. So I think Kenny Pickett's going to be fine. I don't think it really hurt him, but the media believes that it did. Um, I still saw him make a ton of throws. He was still hitting the slants. He was still hitting the out routes. He was hitting the go routes. He was hitting the deep post. He was hitting the corner fades. Like it, all the throwing drills, um, the uh, the dig routes and stuff like that that they had. He, he was fine. Uh, he still can uncork a ball. I think he threw it. They did like a how hard can you throw it kind of test. I think he still hit like fifty four miles an hour. I mean that's throwing a football fifty four miles an hour is just kind of insane. Um, I did not get the name of the wide receiver, but they were uh, they were running the gauntlet. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's that drill. Um, wide receivers and defensive backs both do it. They uh, they're on the sideline and they they uh, they jump around, flip their hips, catch a ball one way, do the same thing back the other way, and then they sprint down a specific uh, yard line. With uh, it, it varies which. Uh, which side the ball is going to come from. So, you know, the first ball, maybe they have to look to their left and catch it. Then they take a few steps. They have to look to the right and catch it, so on and so forth, all the way down. Then they catch the last one. They take up, they take off up the line of scrimmage. Well, there was one wide receiver. Once again, can't remember his name. I think he caught, I think they catch five of them uh, as they're sprinting through the line. And then two uh, at the beginning. But he caught, I believe... I believe he only caught two of the five while sprinting the yard line, which is pretty poor. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a hand drill. It's it's seeing how well you can catch the ball. It's it's testing your hands and stuff like that. When you drop three out of five, <sighs> it doesn't look great. So I think uh, I think he hurt himself pretty badly with that one. Um, 
I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious to see if it, if it comes out, if they, if we can find that clip and find out who it is and see um, where he goes, where he gets drafted to, if he gets drafted at all. So that's the, that's ripping off the bandaid there, but let's get into, uh, let's get into the people that I think actually help themselves. So, um, I got a few a few quarterbacks here that I, I saw really really help themselves here. Um, that may not necessarily be people you know. So there's a uh, kid out of Notre Dame, Jack Cohen. Um, I think he really really helped himself with this draft. I was watching him uh, make some throws. I was watching him do the throwing drills. I I did end up missing his uh, his forty time and. Um, all that sort of stuff, but I was watching him do the throwing drills, and he was in group number two, and I tell you what, he looked really, really good. He was making uh, pretty much every throw uh, on the spot that it should have been, you know, on those slant routes, it was, you know, it, it was led him perfectly, hit him, you know, just in the body, didn't have his arms um, extended out, so I know uh, it's just a combine, it's just some drills, but in a real game, if you're running a slant like that, you have your arms out in front of you, you're extended reaching for a ball. Um, there's a linebacker or a safety sitting there waiting to break a rib. I mean, they're going to they're gonna hit you right in the ribs because it's the only place you can tackle anybody in the NFL anymore. I mean, they're going to they're gonna crack you right in, right in the ribs, and it's going to hurt like hell. So to see him put it on the body like that was a really good sign. Um, the go routes, he had a good arm. He, he would let it rip. Um, so I think, I think Jack Cohen really, really helped himself. Um, maybe moved up the draft board a little bit for a few teams, but once again, he's not going to be a first week starter. Another quarterback, Cole Kelly. Uh, I am blanking on which team he, uh, which team he played for, which, uh, university he played for. But that was another guy saw make a ton of throws, really, really well, well timed, well placed. Um, had a strong arm, and uh, you know made a good case for himself. He, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know who he was coming into this, uh, and uh, he put me on notice. So shout out to Cole Kelly for that one. Um, not that he'll ever listen to this, but you know, we got to show him some love. He. Uh, I mean, he did, you know, he, he, he did good. Um, so I think that's, that's another guy might move up a few, uh, few people's boards. And then of course the star of the show, Malik Willis, uh, a lot of people are, you know, naming him the best quarterback in the draft. It's kind of between him and Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett's in the conversation too. Um, but if you ask me, I think it was, I think it was definitely Matt Corral and Malik Willis. Um, another guy, I'll be honest with you, I've heard about him. I've seen some of his film just because he's super, super talked about in the media, but I had no clue who Malik Willis was, um, for the most part, but I watched him throw and you know what? I was wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't big on him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not big on these, uh, these quarterbacks that go to the smaller schools. And, you know, it like him, uh, you know, there, there's, and there's a few other, a few other quarterbacks 
that, you know, like I said, I'm just not, I'm not big on those quarterbacks from the smaller schools. So, but I, I you know, I was wrong. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the league. And Jesus Christ, cat. It's a bag that's been there for months and it's got tissue paper in it. And you just decide that you want to just tear it up. Yeah. You got your claw stuck. You're an idiot. Jesus. Um, I saw him make, you know, every throw. He did, uh, he did sail one on the go routes a little bit. Um, but they let him throw a third one. And I believe, I mean, he uncorked this thing from like the eight yard line to, I want to say it was the other, I want to say 25, which is an absolute bomb of a throw. So the kid's got a cannon. Um, all of his throws look good. There was a few quarterbacks, like I said, I saw them, they're throwing these like fade routes and they're late on them or they're super early on them. You know, they're, they're behind the receiver. They're, you know, they're whatever. I mean, this kid was putting it over the shoulder, you know, gave his receiver a chance to go up and go get it in the corner of the end zone, um, which they called it the CD lamb drill. If you guys watched the combine, um, a few years ago, then, then, you know, what we're talking about when we say the CD Lamb drill. Uh CD Lamb went up, made like a three sixty catch, got his feet down, and um it was one of the better catches that I've ever seen. Um and uh yeah he was he was hitting the out routes. He was hitting them all. So I think Malik Willis is definitely somebody that's going in the first round. He may not be a first week starter, but you will see him this season. Um it's very much rumored that the Pittsburgh Steelers are are linked to him and we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see if, if another team reaches on him first, if the Steelers move up and grab him, um, if they like somebody else better, I don't know. We'll have to see, but I think in, in big news when it comes to the, uh, to the combine is everybody loves the 40 yard dash or the 40 for sure. Short. Well, there was two guys that, Ran sub four three forties. So, um, Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor ran an unofficial four two one. It's four seconds, four point two one seconds, and Chris Alave out of Ohio State ran a four two six unofficial. <sighs> I'm mad because four two one sets the NFL combine record for the fastest forty yard dash ever ran. Well, it came out later that his official 40 time is 4.28. Now, you're thinking to yourself, okay, like .07, uh, that's the kind of gap there, a little human error. All right, maybe. But, I mean, they have, like, lasers set up. They, uh, they have a simulcast where they can, you know, they, they can pin, and, and you can watch one player run a 40, and you could see the shadow of another player running. They could do like up to like four or five players for this. And you're telling me that we're get we're still getting this wrong. Uh, but the big thing is, is Chris Olave ran a four two six unofficial. His official was four three nine. That's a point three one three second difference. I mean, that's a pretty huge gap as far as you know, the, the human error side of things going on. 
I mean, four two six is is no number to slouch at. Neither is four three nine. Um, to be honest with you, they. Uh, I mean, a sub four four is is still a, a dang good number. Um, but four two six looks a lot better on the uh, the combined grading sheet. So I kind of feel bad for Chris Alave because he was a guy who I think he was supposed to be the number one receiver out of out of Ohio State. And then Garrett Wilson kind of took off and had himself a good year. And now I think Garrett Wilson is supposed to be the first one. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, you don't have a bad, there's not a bad choice there. They're both very good receivers. But I think Chris Alave, if he falls back in the draft, some team is going to have a stud of a player. And it's going to make some of those other teams that passed up on him wish that they didn't. Uh... His uh his forty two man it just looked effortless like like other players you could see their like their heads bobbing up and down they're all over the place I mean he was just he was just on like cruise control there and uh, Christ now the other cat will you leave the bag alone now the other cat is playing with the bag I don't understand the fascination with the bag right now they've literally never never touched it before yeah idiot you just knocked it over. Good gracious, um, he's uh he's gonna be he's gonna be a stud in the league. Another guy that ran a really good uh and controversial forty. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have his times with me. Uh, but Calvin Austin the third had himself a good forty yard dash. He uh, there's a lot of controversy around this one because you could actually see him uh well past you know he was a good step past the line, the finish line there. Um, and it was like 4.12. So kind of makes you wonder, um, you know, what I think he ended up in like the four, three range. What are you doing? Leave it. Will you leave shit alone? What is wrong with the two of you? Jeez Louise. I, I, I try to do one thing here. And I, there's a, there was a lot of controversy around, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Chris Olave's time too. You could see him well past the line, uh, and they're like, ah, well, he was actually slower, and it's like he was well past the line at that, uh, at like four two, two one or something like that. I don't, what, whichever one it was, one of them was was you know a good two steps past the line of scrimmage or the the finish line there, and yet they still knocked their forty time down. So. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think we got to do better. I mean, you're telling me you guys are a, a billion some dollar league and we can't even afford accurate um, sensors for, you know, for this drill that these kids lives are. I mean, it's not simply just this drill, but these kids lives are kind of depending on it, whether they make it to the to the league or not. You know, I mean, for the for the quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. I mean, pretty much everybody outside the offensive lineman. Um, I mean, that forty time kind of matters. I mean, it matters a little bit for the offensive lineman, but not as much. So that's uh, that's really it that I have uh, for the combine. It's uh, like I said, it's only been one day. There's a lot going on. Uh, the combine it, it it very much is for the players to kind of showcase their talent. Um, but I think it's more of a uh, relations 
kind of kind of thing. It's more so about getting the relations um, from team to team. Um, you know, some of the general managers talking to them to each other. Some of the uh, the head coaches talking to each other. Um, stuff like that. I think I think that's more so what it's uh, what it's geared towards. Um, so earlier today, I was on my way to work and got a notification that. Amari Cooper is actually set to be released from the Dallas Cowboys before the start of the season. I think this is a stupid move for the Cowboys. I think you're stupid to get rid of Amari Cooper. Dak Prescott has clearly shown that he likes to throw to Amari Cooper. Um, Now, and I say that it's stupid for that reason. Because Michael Gallup um, is coming off of a torn ACL. I believe it's ACL or Achilles, but I mean, those were like your, that was supposed to be like part of your big three. It was Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CD Lamb. And I think you're kind of stupid for, for getting rid of Amari Cooper. I mean, you still have CD Lamb, Michael Gallup is a free agent, so they have to make a decision on whether they're going to get him back now too. But if you let Amari Cooper go, you can't let Michael Gallup go too. Um, I think this is just an L for the Cowboys, just in total. I'll be honest with you. Um, Mario Cooper is going to make some other teams happy. So, with that all being said, I'd like to play a little game of where you know where we think Mario Cooper is going to end up. <clears throat> I think a, I think a place that a lot of people and you're going to see it in the media a lot is going to be Amari Cooper going to the Green Bay Packers in their efforts to keep Aaron Rodgers and it's a good place right like I mean they could go there he could go there and you know maybe it helps keep Aaron Rodgers but the Packers are so screwed when it comes to the salary cap that there's no way that they they could afford Amari Cooper I want to say he's probably making he's got to be making like upwards of like 18 million dollars if not uh, like I said he's got it's got to be more than that because I think the Cowboys were saving like 20 million in cap by by releasing him so he's got to be making just a ton of money I, I mean at that point I guess at least 20 million right so they're the Packers are already going to have to let go of Zadarius Smith uh, I think they're probably going to have to let go of Preston Smith as well or they're going to have to really 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 work on restructuring some contracts to make things work I just don't see a way that they they get back into the green as far as the salary cap goes with still paying Aaron Rodgers the 50 million dollars that he wants I know it came out that he said he didn't want the 50 million dollars but when you have someone like Matt Ryan making 46 million and you want to be the highest paid player he's not going to take a million more than Matt Ryan it's definitely going to be in the 50 million range so there's no way you can get back to a good place and still pay, still pay Aaron Rodgers and bring in Amari Cooper. You could franchise tag Devontae Adams, and that would help. You'd be like, hey, let's work with us. We're going to franchise you this one year so we can bring back Aaron, so we can bring in Amari. Kind of need you to work with us here. And then, you know, next year, if Aaron decides he wants to come back, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that done. 
and we can bring you back. But then again, it, it also makes Devontae Adams a free agent come next season. So if he wants to leave, which I think he does, I think he wants out of Green Bay because um, the only way he's going to stay there is if Aaron Rodgers stays. And I don't see Aaron Rodgers staying very much longer if he stays at all. So I think it's possible. It could happen. Um, but a place that I, I do see Amari Cooper going is I could see him going back to his old team with the Raiders. I mean, that's where he started. He started when they were still in Oakland and they were still playing on the half baseball field. Um, that was, you know, it was still Derek Carr quarterback. They had Darren McFadden at running back. They had, uh, you know, they had Michael Crabtree. They had, oh my gosh, I don't think, I want to say they had uh, Namde Asenwa cornerback. Um, I think Charles Woodson was still playing there. Um, I mean, they had uh, they had some dogs over there in uh, in Oakland. So I I see that as a place that he could go back to. Um, I think they're pretty. I think they're doing okay in the salary cap. I mean, they're not paying a ton of players. They could uh, they could definitely use a little help at receiver. And, you know, him and him and Derek Carr, I don't think there was any ever any beef between him and Derek Carr. So I think it's a viable place for him to go back to. And of course, you can never count out the Los Angeles Rams, even though they have so many people that they have to pay. Um But the whole OBJ thing, OBJ's not gonna be able to play next season. There's talks about him coming back in November. There's just I I find that super hard to believe. Um, I know that, you know, he's a professional athlete and, you know, their, uh, their bodies are, are significantly different than, than like mine. Um, but I work in physical therapy and I've seen the protocols for ACL repairs. And for the most part, I mean, you're, you're not weight bearing for the first few weeks and then you still have the brace on that's like locked. You can't go past like 90 degrees, um, for, you know, X amount of weeks. And then I'm pretty sure this is the second time he's torn this ACL. I just find it so hard pressed that he's going to rehab this ACL in nine months. I mean, most, most people you're, you're rehabbing ACLs, you know, at six, seven months. And that's just to get back to your normal day-to-day life um, as working like a, I don't know, you're working your desk job or um, I guess you could get back sooner than that, but, you know, just a normal, I don't know, maybe work for like a tire shop or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, people, you know, it takes forever to rehab those things. And if this is your second time tearing it, once you tear it once, it's always going to be weaker. It's never, it's never going to be stronger. This is his second time tearing it. I find it hard to believe that he's coming back after nine months um, safely. I guess that's the big thing, is safely. Like, the the repeated and constant impact of running on, on his knee there and his ACL, and then the cutting that he's going to have to be doing running his routes, and the impact he's going to be taking from, you know, getting tackled and stuff like that. There's no way uh, that he comes back safely. So I find it hard to believe that the Rams re-sign him. Uh, they do still have Robert Woods, who also tore his ACL. He will be back for, for the season because he tore his ACL, um, I want to say, rather early 
um, or like halfway through the season. It was it was like just before the trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he'll he'll be back, uh, and uh, I think that they could use a third receiver. We saw it in the Super Bowl once Odell went down. Uh, <laughs> it was just the Cooper Cup show. I mean, Van Jefferson was trying, but he wasn't getting open. Um, they had a few other smaller receivers um, that weren't getting open. I think they also have a, a kid. Uh, I think they have Tutu Atwell. Um, I think he he went to he played for the University of uh, Louisville. He's a he's an absolute burner of a receiver. So I think he's he was injured too. I think he'll be back. But you know that the Rams love to just bring in the stars, pay the guys, you know, trade away draft picks. They won them a Super Bowl. They're kind of like reinventing the wheel here, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll see what they do. I think Oakland or Christmas cards, uh, Las Vegas, the Raiders. I think that uh, I think that that's the place that we see Amari Cooper end up. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of talks as far as like the Ravens, because um, everyone still believes that the Ravens need a need a ton of help at wide receiver. Um, you'll see them, you'll probably see other teams like, uh, you'll probably see like the Patriots, um, go out and, you know, there'll be a lot of rumors about the Patriots. Um, maybe the Bills, Bills are like, Hey, you know, someone to pair up with Stefan Diggs. That's a team maybe, but I, I think all in all, I think the Raiders are the place for him. And while we're talking about, uh, you know, stars moving on to different teams, I saw something a little while back, and I think I said it maybe an episode or two ago, of Saquon Barkley being linked to the Baltimore Ravens. I thought it was so stupid. Like, no, we don't need Saquon Barkley. Like, he's coming off of a, you know, first season back after a torn ACL. He had a pretty bad sprained ankle. Um, he had a kind of... Uh, injury ridden he's had an injury ridden past year um obviously the ravens lost jk dobbins and gus edwards both both to a torn acl and then justice hill to a torn achilles so there was a lot of talk about saquon barkley maybe coming to the ravens and that's a spot for him he'd fit you know he'd thrive with lamar jackson and by all means i don't disagree with that i think saquon barkley would a look damn good in purple and gold. I think he definitely fits the culture. He fits the offensive style that we run. He's a three down back. He can catch the ball very well out of the backfield. He he has the power to hit the A gap or the B gap. He can definitely run more of a uh, a zone offense, a zone running scheme where he bounces it to the outside and that read option. Um, he would definitely fit, but. We have, like I said, we have all these guys coming back. We have to make a decision on what we're doing with Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. Do we let both of them go? Do we bring Justice Hill back, who plays pretty good on special teams? You know, what's going on with Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, stuff like that. But I saw that the market for Saquon Barkley is a fourth-round pick. Now, of course, everyone's like, well, you know, you might, uh, they might be like, hey, can we get a second or a third? And to that, I say... Honestly, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, we have five third-round picks. If you have to give up a third-round pick to get Saquon Barkley, why the hell wouldn't you? 
I mean, look, to be honest with you, like, it's a lease, right? It's a it's a one year lease. We're not we're not bringing him back. He's uh like like Poppy always says, running backs are a dime a dozen, right? There's 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 another top five coming in next year, right? There's I mean there's there's some damn good running backs coming out of this draft. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker the third. You know what? I, there's uh there's there, there's some other guys out there. I th- I think there's some some, some damn good running backs coming out in this draft you got like you're looking at next year's uh that kid out of texas who they're saying is like the like the next coming of reggie bush now granted reggie bush played for usc and there's a whole lot of controversy around him and and stuff like that but they're saying this kid's supposed to be like the next reggie bush now if i'm taking any comparison i'm taking that if i get if i ever get compared to reggie bush i'm i'm not in any way shape or form mad about it Reggie Bush was a damn good quarterback or running back in his uh in his days in college and even in the NFL. But if I'm the Ravens and you have to give up a third round pick to get Saquon Barkley and you still have four third round picks, I mean I think you're kind of stupid not to. Um, <laughs> I mean you know we're we're waiting to see what J.K. does come back you know coming back off his uh his ACL Gus Edwards coming back off his ACL this kind of helps I mean you know what I, you know what I mean you can give uh you can give Saquon a little bit more of the workload to start the, uh, start the year and kind of ease JK and Gus back into things, you know, and get them back up to game speed, that, that impact and, and stuff like that. I mean, unfortunately a torn ACL is just another, another day in the NFL. I feel bad for the players. Um, just, uh, unfortunately it is though, but <laughs> Another team, I mentioned him earlier, the Bills. He'd be a good fit for the Bills. They could use a ton of help in the run game. I mean, their best running back is Derek Singletary, I think I think is his name. I mean, it's pretty bad that I don't even know his name. And he's more of a receiving back. I mean, they have a kid, Zach Moss, who's okay. Uh, I think they kind of whiffed on him. They had higher aspirations for him, and he kind of missed. So... I mean, if you're the Bills and you have to give up a third-round pick for Saquon Barkley, I think you're stupid not to. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I think you're stupid not to give up a third-round pick for Saquon Barkley. Unless your team, like, uh, I don't even know, someone someone like the Browns, where they already have a damn good one-two punch who's relatively healthy. Someone like the Rams, who I think they're probably going to end up releasing Sony Michelle, but they still have Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Um there's a lot of teams that, you know, you're putting in an offer for Saquon. You're at least trying. Um, as far as laughable moments go, once again, I was going to save it for the end, but it just it fits so well while we're talking about players on the move. The Washington Commanders, still weird to call them the Commanders, they, uh, they called the Chiefs to ask them if they were interested in making a trade for Patrick Mahomes. The commanders, I mean, that was like, that's the epitome of, hey, shoot or shoot, right? You got to take the shot. I mean, they really called the Chiefs to see if they would uh, give up Patrick Mahomes. I respect it. I think it's hysterical as hell. I think they knew that there was no way, there was no shot in the world that they were... uh, they were ever going to trade Patrick Mahomes, but I respect the hell out of the uh, commanders for trying. I mean, why not, right? Like, 
<laughs> it's <laughs> why not? You know, um, I did see that the commanders also are making a strong push for Russell Wilson. So good for them. Um, I think I think Russell Wilson would would do them a lot of good. I don't think it would ever happen. I don't think because Russell Wilson, I believe, believe has a no trade clause to where, um, like, yes, the team could trade him, but he says yay or nay. You know, he gets the veto it or be like, yeah, I don't want to do that trade or whatever. So he basically gets to pick where he wants to go. And I don't see him going to Washington. Now, I think I think it's a good fit for him, right? Like they have. They have some guys over there. They do have Terry McLaurin, and um, they have some some other young young talent at wide receiver. No, I mean, I think they have like two guys with last name Sims. I don't think they're related. I also could very well be wrong about this. Um, they have a they have a really good defense. I don't think their offensive line is um, is that bad. I mean, Taylor Heineke was a pretty serviceable quarterback for him and was winning games with them. And Russell Wilson is light years better than Taylor Heideke. So I don't think it's that bad of a spot. I think they're competing for the division with Dallas every year. Um, And that's, <laughs> we don't even know what Dallas is going to do. Dallas may, Jerry Jones may just burn the stadium down. It, it, we really have no clue what the hell he's going to do on a day-to-day basis. Jerry Jones is a loose cannon. Um. I wouldn't mind seeing Russell Wilson in a commander's uniform. Um, just speaking on the commander's uniforms, I think they could have done better. It is what it is. I think that they uh, they kind of dropped the ball on the uh, on the uniform there. But that's just that's my opinion. Um, I'm a Ravens fan, so it doesn't <laughs> I don't it doesn't hold too much weight to me. You know what I mean? It's uh, it is what it is. So we're gonna we're gonna slide on over to the MLB here, and I gotta be honest with you, I was kind of concerned that I was just gonna fly through this, and this was gonna end up being like a 35-minute episode, because it's just me, you know, we're missing the banter, uh, we're missing Poppy's stupid shit that he always says, but we love him to death anyway, um, we're missing the banter, it's just me rambling, so I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble, um, by no means would I ever expect anybody to, but... <laughs> I'll take it. Um, talking about the MLB on Tuesday, um, I was uh, I was heading out from work and uh, I was heading over to the gym. Got a little notification from ESPN saying that the owners are set to give the Players Association their best and final offer. And I, within ten fifteen minutes, I got another notification from ESPN that says the Players Association plans to unanimously turn down their best and final offer so I'm like oh great here we go so we're definitely going to be have at least a shortened season if a season at all um I'll be honest with you I can see this lockout turning into we don't have an MLB season um and that was the next question there is will there be a season and and to that I say no I don't think that there's going to end up being a season and uh it kind of pisses me off because um, in college, I actually wrote a uh, a paper regarding it was a uh, a cause and effect essay in, uh, in English 101, and I ended up doing it on the NFL lockout. And um, 
you know, it was because of this, whatever, and all the effects that came from it. And it has a lot more effects than you realize, right? Like, it's not just the owners don't make money because, you know, there's no season, you know, whatever. The players don't make money because they're not playing. Well, there's also agents that don't get paid because their players aren't playing. Um, Places like Bud Light, Miller Light, SK, um, you know, the hot dog company. There's companies like that that are losing money, right? I mean, you got to think, but, you know, places, uh, they're probably hiring people to keep up with the uh, the workload of, you know, of beer that they have to get out, hot dogs they have to get out because it's, you know, so popular during baseball season. There's little companies like that, I shouldn't say little big companies like that, that uh, this affects that I would have never thought of before this essay that, you know, maybe you didn't think of before I, um, I had put it out there. Um, but then there's little, there's little places, right? Like there's, uh, there's little like mom and pop restaurants nearby that aren't making money for, uh, for us people living in Maryland, Baltimore Orioles, Pickles Pub, probably not making nearly as much money. That's like the real popular place, uh, to go pregame the Orioles game. I know I've been there um, a few times. You know, there's uh, places like, I don't know, I don't know many people going to Buffalo Wild Wings to go watch baseball, but I don't know, maybe Buffalo Wild Wings is losing some money, right? There's a lot of places, um, you know, mom and pop shops, uh, jersey sales are going down, apparel sales are going down. Uh, it's just, it's all those little things that you maybe don't think about that are going down. And I think that's why it makes me mad. I'll be honest with you. It didn't really bother me before the, uh, before I wrote this essay, but then I wrote it. I'm like, man, like this is so much bigger than just, just them playing baseball. You know, the people work in the, uh, the concession stands, guy walking around asking if you want popcorn, you want cotton candy or you want beer. They're not working anymore. People making your food. They're not working there anymore. The people scanning the tickets, they're not working anymore. And it's not just it's not just in your local town, it's all over the country, right? There's how many uh how many franchises in the MLB? Well, there's, you know, it's it's probably a couple million dollars in salary between all these people. To be honest with you, it's probably 5 plus million. I mean, <laughs> you know what you know what I mean? Like now we're now we're cheating a ton of people out of 5 million dollars total. It should it should make you a little angry, right? It pisses me off that uh, you know it's 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 all about you know me me me. It's selfishness. Um, also, because uh, and I heard this, it's um, the MLB is the only league that the owners actually don't have to open up their books to the players for profit sharing, and it's because. Um, in other leagues, there's a salary cap, so the the owners have to, um, you know, then you know the profit sharing and stuff like that. They then have to, you know, play the players' association, the players some money and stuff like that. They have to open up their books. Well, the MLB doesn't have that that hard set salary cap, so they don't have to open up their books. And I think it's a load of shit. Um, it's uh, it's it's just a whole mess. I don't think there's going to be a season. I don't see a deal getting done anytime soon. I think the players and the players association have had enough of the owner shit. 
have had enough of them just making a ton of money, even though, like Poppy had said a few episodes ago, um, you know, the, excuse me, commissioner had come out and said, yeah, it's a terrible time to invest into the MLB. Um, I think, I think they're just making a ton of money and they don't want to share it. And I don't, I don't think we have a season because of it. So, if anybody, uh, if anybody rich is listening to the show and you want to, you know, maybe start your own league, hey, you know, I called it a few episodes ago. Just you know, hit me up. I'll help you run it. We'll get we'll get things set up. I'll I'll work for you. We'll get some I'll I'll get some people on the line. We'll we'll get it all set up. We can get you a league. Let's do it. Maybe I'll hit up Pat McAfee. See what he thinks. It's a long shot. So, Coach K, uh, Coach Shesky for the Duke Blue Devils, is set to coach his last home game ever. So he is retiring, and uh, he is set to coach his last home game at Duke. Now, may may not be a big deal to a lot of people, but Coach K has been around for a very, very long time. Um, he's coached a decent amount of Olympic teams. He's won a few gold medals. He's won you know, a ton of national championships at Duke. Um, you know, Duke and UNC is one of the, uh, the biggest college basketball rivalries. Um, there is, it's honestly one of the biggest sports rivalries in all of sports. Um, at least the old ones used to be, uh, I think a lot of, you know, that, uh, there's a lot more parody in college basketball. So you see a lot of players going to other schools and it's not just all the talent going to UNC and Duke, which is kind of nice, you know, kind of like it. But this ticket to his last home game are actually the fourth most expensive tickets in recent history. So the average ticket price is over five grand for his last game, which is insane to think about because the only three ticket prices higher than that one are the last three Super Bowls. I'm just going to give you a second to just kind of just kind of soak that in, right? Understand that, you know, Super Bowl prices, like the ticket prices are just absurd. In general, five over five grand average price to go watch Coach, Coach K coach his last game as a uh, Duke Blue Devil. It's insane to think about. But uh, I just want to give uh, Coach K a shout out on a... Uh, on a really good career. Um, he's got a lot of trophies in the trophy case. I'll definitely be missed. Um, probably not by anybody that's not a Blue Devils fan, just to be honest with you. But, I mean, he uh, he was never in... I mean, I don't remember him ever being in any sort of shit in the media. You know, he was never... I think he's a pretty good guy, pretty stand-up guy. So, you know, congratulations, Coach K. We did say that we wanted to get into a little bit more hockey here, but unfortunately, there's just not a lot going on in hockey right now. Um, the only thing really going on was the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, this was announced earlier that the Hurricanes will host the Washington Capitals for the Stadium Series game next year. So that's pretty exciting. Um, the The NHL has been kind of like branching out doing like some uh 
some stadium games and and stuff like that. I think this year it was uh, Tennessee and Tampa Bay. They were in Tennessee. This one's going to be in Carolina. Um, I think once a year they they do like the Winter Classic and they're playing like outside in like uh, I want to say they're up in like Minnesota or something like that. They're somewhere up north where it's cold as hell all the time. Um, cold as hell is kind of an oxymoron. I've never understood it, but I said it and I'm sticking with it. Um, they like the goalies are wearing like beanies over their helmets because it's just so cold. Like it's snowing and stuff like that. Like it's um, it's pretty cool. I kind of like that the the NHL does this right. Kind of branches out. It's not just your typical stadium and um, and watch some hockey. Although I'll be honest with you, I've been to two Hershey Bears games, and dude, if uh, if you're not a big hockey person. I think you might still enjoy a hockey game. I'll be honest with you. They're a lot of fun. Um, they're really exciting, especially when, you know, there's fights involved and stuff like that. Um, both games I've went to, there's been a fight. Um, both times the Bears players won. The Zamboni's dope as hell. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I had a blast. And I'm not a big hockey person, but I had a blast at the Bears game. So shout out to the Hershey Bears. Sponsor us. Um I haven't asked anybody for a sponsor this episode. I know Poppy would have already asked for three by now. So, you know, just in in, in true uh, Poppy and Home and Sports Lab fashion, I had to ask for at least one sponsor this episode. Um, I will say uh, it does kind of it does kind of suck not having him here, but I am happy he's having a ton of fun um, out sale in the world right now. It's um it's weird, man. It's weird. I figured like screw it, let's just hop into it. Let's do it. Didn't didn't give myself time to overthink it. Um, you know, I, I gave myself a list of what to talk about. I just got into it and I hope you guys enjoy cause I'm an idiot. Um, so the, uh, the last laughable moment that I have kind of touched on a few throughout the episode was John Rom. This is, this has got to make a lot of people feel a lot better about themselves, right? Like it's just, uh, I suck at golf, right? I picked it up a few years ago. I suck at it. I'm not great. I think the best I've ever scored was like an 83. I'm consistently like 95 to like 85. Like I'm not very good. I'm like, I think I'm like a plus 20 handicap, something like that. I honestly don't even have like an official handicap, but just to, if I had to, if I had to guess, if I had to ballpark it, probably like plus 20. Not very good. I usually go out and just have some fun, um, drink some beers, and uh, it's a lot of fun that way. But John Rom is a professional golfer on the PGA Tour. Um, I believe he's been, like, a top five in the world for, like, the past three years. He's a damn good golfer. He's one of my favorites, honestly. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big John Rahm fan. He, um, he two-putted from within a foot. I mean, he, uh, he was definitely, like, within a foot, and he left the putt short which is wild to think about. And you could see the reaction of the fans behind him. You could see their face like, holy shit, he just missed that. Like, wow. Wow. Yeah, and wow is right. Um, <laughs> it's got to make you feel better about yourself. I personally, putting is probably probably one of the stronger suits of my game if I got to be honest with you um it, my I'm terrible with my irons the putting is probably it's I'll, I'll come out and say it I think putting is probably my strongest suit um 
Chipping around the green is stupid hard. It's a lot tougher than they make it look. I'll be honest with you, all of golf is tougher than they make it look. It was a very humbling experience when I first got out there and played golf. Like, I played baseball for 15 years. Um, and I, uh, I had the ball, little ball sitting there on the tee. And I was like, all right, got the driver here. We're going to, we're going to rip this one. This can't be too hard, right? Like I can hit a, I can hit a fastball. I can hit a curveball. You know, it's coming in 60, 70 miles an hour, uh, maybe 80 miles an hour, depending on the day. I was like, you know, I could put a, I could put a bat on a ball doing that. And I was like, this little guy's sitting here waiting for me to hit it. And I hit it. I can hit the golf ball and I can hit it. I mean, rather far for my for my skill set, um, how new I am to the game, how I have never had like a true golf lesson. I'm like watching YouTube videos, trying to learn how to swing a golf club and then just practice. I can hit it relatively far. <laughs> but when I first hit it, I had no clue where it was going to go. It could go two fairways over and that's embarrassing. I mean, I would slice the hell out of the ball. Um, and I would also hook the hell out of the ball, too. It would either go very far left or it would go very far right. But it very rarely found the fairway. Now, I have gotten better, and I can hit the fairway a little bit more often. Um, but irons are definitely, like, I suck with my irons. But golf in general, golly, man, just... It, I understand why people think golf is so boring, and it's hard to sit down and watch it on, like, a Sunday or even a Saturday, um, whatever. It, it is tough to watch until you go out there and play it, right? Like you go out there and you play it and you realize how tough it actually is. And then it just kind of puts into perspective um, everything and you appreciate it so much more. So <laughs> watching John Rum two putt, uh, two putt from within a foot makes me a little happy. Sorry, John. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry it had to come at your expense, but um, it did. It just had to come at your expense. So that's everything that I have for you guys this week. Once again, I appreciate you guys tuning in this week. I understand that it might be a little bit more dry. And uh, I apologize for that. I don't have my partner in crime sitting across from me saying a bunch of stupid shit, making it easy for me to uh, to pick on. And, you know, you don't have that back and forth banter. I kind of got like my own little like Colin Coward thing going on here where I just ramble but even he has joy taylor so um i don't know maybe if this ever happens again we can we can maybe do a little bit more uh due diligence to get a guest on here um for you guys make it a little more entertaining um it's just you know it's tough it's tough getting people uh getting everything synced up and you know everyone else has got a got lives going on fortunately you know poppy and i we've uh we've both kind of tailored our lives around um, we're not our lives, but our Fridays around, around making this happen for you guys. Cause we in love, we love doing it. We enjoy doing it and we hope that you guys enjoy listening. So, um, appreciate you guys sticking with us. He should be back on the show next week. You can get more stupidity then. Um, but like I said, just appreciate you guys listening. Tune in next week. See you guys.